Salutations, listeners. You are listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are going to be doing a spotlight that has been in the works for quite a while. It's sometimes taken a back seat, you know, put on the back burner. I wanted to make sure I got some tracks that were very honest. And uh, it's a two-part spotlight. So this is part one on trumpet great Lee Morgan. So we got two episodes that are kind of a part one and part two. Uh, This is part one, and part one is going to be emphasizing and zeroing in on some biographical information on Lee Morgan as well as his albums as a leader on the session. Um, And then part two will be focusing on Lee Morgan's uh, records as a sideman who contributes quite a gargantuan amount of talent and music to each session that he was a part of. Uh, But we're going to be taking 12 tracks per episode, 12 tracks uh, as a leader, and which, I mean, they're just kind of curated by me. So it's just 12 of what, probably what I consider the most popular, and also the ones that to me are very hyper musical so uh, and then we the same kind of formula goes for the 12 tracks as Lee Morgan as a sideman so it it really doesn't matter which episode you listen to first whether it's the Lee Morgan leader uh, episode or the Lee Morgan sideman episode it is guaranteed to be filled with fantastic music because Lee Morgan was one of the great, great trumpeters in all of jazz music. So, sit back, relax. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Let's get to part one, Lee Morgan, leader. Enjoy.
All right. Whew. There's some, that was three really cooking tracks right there. And we're going to go in order. So the first track that we heard uh, was from a Blue Note record. In fact, I will go ahead and give that away. All 12 tracks that you will hear in this episode as Lee Morgan as the leader of the session are all on Blue Note Records. So uh, he was an integral part to the success and one of the main institutions for Blue Note Records along with Horace Silver, Art Blakey, those who had a predominant, significant part of their recorded output and most of their hits were all on Blue Note Records. So, uh, but this first tune uh, was a tune called Rockus. And it comes from Lee Morgan's session as a leader from on Blue Note Records called Indeed. And it was from 1956. It was recorded November 4th, 1956 at Rudy's Place, Rudy Van Gelder. Um, Rockus was an original composition by Horace Silver, who was the pianist on the session. So you have Lee Morgan on trumpet, Horace Silver on piano, uh, Clarence Sharp on the alto sax, Wilbur Ware on the bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones on the drums. Uh, beautiful little uh, minor tune there. And by the way, I'm also going to say this. We're going chronologically in both of these episodes. We're going chronologically uh, so you can hear not only great jazz by Lee Morgan as a leader, but his development and how he matures and how his playing changes and adapts to different... Um, just to adapts to the times. So, yeah. So this one is from 1956 as a leader on Blue Note, and we heard Rockus to start out that whole set. Next, we heard These Are Soulful Days, written by Cal Massey, who is very much an unsung hero as far as jazz compositions go. And uh, he wrote half of the tunes on the album. There's four tracks, and he wrote two of them, uh, Nakatini Suite and what we just heard there, These Are Soulful Days. And that was recorded in April 28, 1960 at Rudy's Place again. This time, the whole lineup changes. So Lee Morgan is, of course, on the trumpet and the leader of the session, but on alto sax, it's the great Jackie McLean. Uh, Jackie McLean was another great part of the Blue Note catalog and a force in jazz. On the piano, Bobby Timmons. And uh, you may know Bobby Timmons as the pianist and composer of This Here and That There, or Dat Dare, you know. Um, On the bass, Mr. PC himself, Paul Chambers. By the way, if you love the bass playing there and you want to hear some more Paul Chambers, there's an entire spotlight episode of the Dr. Jazz podcast dedicated to Mr. PC himself, Paul Chambers. So I highly suggest that you check that out. Then on the bl- on the drums, you cannot mistake those press rolls anywhere. That is the one and only Art Blakey slamming on the drums there. 
for These Are Soulful Days from Lee Morgan's Blue Note album, Leeway. L-E-E hyphen W-A-Y. And then we ended the set with a 1963 uh, recording date from December 21st, 1963, the self-entitled album, The Sidewinder. And a whole other group right here. You've got Lee Morgan on trumpet, the one and only Joe Henderson on the tennis saxophone, Barry Harris on the piano, Bob Crenshaw on the bass, and the one and only Billy Higgins on drums. Uh, the Sidewinder was a Lee Morgan original, and uh, it is known for its boogaloo kind of beat, and it broke the dam for success at Blue Note Records, and basically it, it made all of the, the, the head honchos at Blue Note Records ask all of their jazz artists, do you think you could record a, a boogaloo on, on your next album, kind of like the Sidewinder? Do you, hey, do you think you could record a, 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 write a boogaloo and record that on your next album, kind of like the Sidewinder? Because they were looking for the next Sidewinder. And uh, I just find that a little bit interesting. So uh, there's much more to be said about the Sidewinder, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, a little bit of a backstory on Lee Morgan. So his full name is Edward Lee Morgan, and he was born July 10th, 1938, uh, and died February 19th, 1972, and we're going to get into that a little later on. Um, he is one of the key hard bop musicians in all of jazz. Um, he came to prominence very early in his late teens. And um, he, he, he stayed with uh, Art Blakey and Jazz Messengers, as you may know, uh, until 1961. But he started to record as a leader in the late 50s. Hence, what we heard with Rockus there from his album Indeed from 1956. His song The Sidewinder, which we just heard to end the set, became a surprise crossover hit on not only the jazz, but the pop and the R&B charts in 1964. Now keep in mind chronologically what's going on in 64. That's the British Invasion, the Beatles, the Stones, Herman's Hermits, etc., etc., etc. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but still, something with that infectious kind of groove, like the Sidewinder, that Boogaloo beat uh, I talked about earlier, it landed on the jazz, pop, and R&B charts in 1964. Um, but some of his other recordings, Lee Morgan's other recordings, that is, found him touching on other styles such as post-bop and even avant-garde jazz as his artistry matured. Soon after the Sidewinder was released, Lee Morgan rejoined Art Blakey for a short period, and then once he left Art Blakey for the last time, he continued to work both prolifically as a leader and a sideman, and became a cornerstone for the Blue Note label. So there you go. Edward Lee Morgan was born in Philly, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he's the youngest of four children. By the way, we had to give up a little bit of love to some Philly, am I right? 
because as of this recording, we have just found out that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. So, as you may know, I am a big college football fan, not so much NFL, but I did go to the University of Alabama, so I do roll tide. So, sorry for all those who who dislike Alabama, but I have to be very proud of both Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts for going so quickly to the NFL and going to a Super Bowl. That's just, it's phenomenal. So, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Philly. So, and I know any fans of Philadelphia Eagles out there are happy as well. But let's not forget, this is a jazz podcast, and Philadelphia was a big cradle for major jazz artists to either live, come up in, or learn their craft in. I mean, John Coltrane lived in Philadelphia for a while. I believe Dizzy Gillespie lived in Philadelphia for a while. I think Wes Montgomery lived in Philadelphia for a while. So you have that whole Philly thing. Elvin Jones. And of course, Philly Joe Jones. And, and, I, and yeah, Lee Morgan right here. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So Philly is a major hub for jazz, especially coming into its golden kind of period of the, the 50s and 60s. You had so many cats from Philly. By the way, Christian McBride's from Philly. So there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, so Lee Morgan was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the youngest of four. Strangely enough, his first interest was not the trumpet. It was the vibraphone. That's right, the vibes. Lionel Hampton, Milt Jackson, cats like that, right? Red Norvo. So his original interest was the vibraphone, but soon he showed a growing enthusiasm for the trumpet. But something a lot of people don't know is that besides being an ace trumpet player, Lee Morgan also knew how to play the alto sax. So on his 13th birthday, that would be 1951, his sister Ernestine gave him his first trumpet, and his primary influence was Clifford Brown, with whom he actually took a few lessons with. Now, let's look at this chronologically just for a second. So he doesn't even get a trumpet in his hands until 1951, July of 1951, because it was on his 13th birthday. So July 10th, 1951, Lee Morgan gets a trumpet. By 1956, five years later, he's a leader on a, on a session for Blue Note Records. Isn't that just, does, if that just doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So five years later, put, let's put it in context here. We've looked at it chronologically. Let's put it in context. Most kids start out on, on their instrument in sixth grade, like sixth grade band at school or something, right? Okay. Okay. So that means that by the time they're a junior in high school, they should be leading a session for Blue Nut Records. No. Most, most 11th graders that I know are not ready to lead a session, period. Much more have the technical and lyrical musical facility to be good enough to lead a session or be even a part of a session 
So that lets you know his level of work ethic, determination, practicing, etc., 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 that he was on fire to become a great trumpet player and even took lessons with Clifford Brown, even though they were a few, but still, right? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And then he joined Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers in 1958. So that was seven years later. Okay, okay. So by the time you graduate high school, you're you're ready to be a part of the Jazz Messengers? Not for, not for most. This shows that he was a very special case. He was a shooting star. He, he was just, just chock full of talent, right? Okay, so that's one point. The other point I was going to make is about the Sidewinder. That's the last track that we just heard there with the Boogaloo beat. Yeah, okay. So he returned to New York in 1963, and he recorded the Sidewinder. The title track cracked the pop charts and the R&B charts in 1964 and served as the background theme for Chrysler television commercials during the World Series. But the tune, which Lee, Ro- Lee Morgan actually wrote, the tune was used without his consent. So after he threatened to sue... Chrysler agreed not to show the advertisement again and settled the case. Due to the crossover success of the Sidewinder in a rapidly changing pop music market, Blue Note encouraged his other artists to emulate tunes, the tune's boogaloo beat, as I said before. Uh, but Morgan himself repeated the formula several times, which we're going to hear some of those. Um, But Lee Morgan personally had said that when he recorded the Sidewinder, it was just a filler for that album. And he was bemused that it actually turned into his biggest hit. He felt that some of his more avant-garde playing was much more advanced. Strange, huh? So he just thought it was like a little filler piece, a little bit of musical candy, if you will. Strange, huh? Yeah. Sometimes it's the ones, it's the tunes that you least expect. Am I right? So, yeah. And furthermore, into this subject, in the liner notes for his Cornbread album, which we're going to hear a selection from in this next set, it, it goes on to talk about this as well. It says TV viewers of the 1965 World Series, if they weren't in the kitchen grabbing a beer in between innings, most likely heard a finger-popping blues behind the automobile commercial. It was The Sidewinder by Lee Morgan. The use of jazz in TV commercials has both good and bad aspects. Here the music was being played faithfully to its fashion and, as such, was representative of Lee Morgan's new success. If the music from Morgan's album subsequent to The Sidewinder has not been utilized by Madison Avenue, it has been heard on the radio, AM and FM, and on many a home music system. These albums have enabled him to form his own group, which has played in nightclubs of some of the eastern seaboard's larger cities. Lee Morgan, who had been with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers from 1958 to 1961, rejoined Blakey in 1964, but 1966 found him on his own. So, it's such an important part that the Sidewinder was played 
during the World Series that they even mentioned it in subsequent albums. Even though they didn't ask for permission. So it's quite likely that even though he sued Chrysler for using the Sidewinder without his permission, it probably did him a lot of good because in 1965, most of the people were watching the World Series on television and heard that song and wanted to probably go out and buy that album, even though he felt it was just filler. Sometimes it's the tunes you least expect that can make you. So, again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. We've got lots more great jazz from Lee Morgan as a leader coming at you. Remember, if you want to find all of this information, don't try to jot it all down. We've got it all set up for you. All you have to do is visit our website, and we're also mobile friendly. So that website is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast dot WordPress dot com. And there you can find all the info as far as track titles, artists, and the album art in the order in which they are played for each episode of the podcast so you know what to go and look for specifically. Okay, remember, support local if you can. If not, we understand. But at least try to support local. We always encourage that. So, also, you can find your the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast: Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that good stuff. And now we're on Amazon Podcasts. So if you know somebody who would dig this kind of podcast or these kind of songs please send it along to him. We'd love to have some new listeners. So remember, we're not making a dime on this. This is a labor of love on our part. So thank you so, so much for listening. We do love you. Let's get to this next set of great music from Lee Morgan.
You know, the thing that just strikes me about Lee Morgan is such swagger he has in his tone. I mean, you, you see like pictures of like, you know, or, or, or shots and movies of like dudes, dapper as all get out, dressed to the nines, walking down the street like they are it. You know what I'm talking about? Like Brooks Brothers suit, you know what I mean? Like to the nines or Italian, you know, suits and like nice polished shoes, like perfect socks, perfect watch, perfect tie, perfect, you know, color combination, you know, looking sharp. Everything's clean cut. You know what I'm saying? And they just have swagger. Like when they walk like on a red carpet or down the street, you know what I'm talking about? That is the sound to my ears. That is the sound of Lee Morgan's trumpet. It's just, it just oozes swagger. And I think that's one of the reasons that he was so popular and infectious with jazz listeners, you know, which is just awesome. Anyway, so let's, let's break down this last set of music that we just heard. So the first tune we heard was this gorgeous, gorgeous ballad written by Lee Morgan, called Melancholy, L-E-E at the end, Melancholy. And it comes from his 1964 album, recorded February 15, 1964, at Rudy's Place, Rudy Van Gelder. We heard Melancholy from his album Search for the New Land. And on this is a who's who of jazz giants within this sextet. We've got Lee Morgan on the trumpet, the great Wayne Shorter on tennis saxophone, Grant Green on the guitar, the one and only Herbie Hancock on piano, Reggie Workman on the bass, and Billy Higgins on the drums. And I'll go ahead and spoil this. All three tracks that you just heard in that set Billy Higgins was the drummer. Billy Higgins is an institution of jazz rhythm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, just gorgeous blending, very subdued. It truly emotes the feeling of melancholiness. 
and it's a perfect title for a perfect song. It's just, yeah. Not everything's got to be groove, you know what I mean? But that one, ooh, man. Might not be the choice most people would have probably chose. Um, Search for the New Land. Or Mr. Kenyatta. But uh, not, uh, there was something about melancholy that I'm like, yeah, let's just mellow for a little bit. And it's gorgeous. Hope you enjoyed it. After that, we kind of eased with a little bit more gentle rhythm. And another Lee Morgan original composition we heard in the middle of that set, Siora, which is a beautiful little bossa tune uh, that Lee Morgan wrote. And I will say this uh, from the perspective of a performing jazz musician. That tune is a standard. Um, it's one of the first tunes that I was kind of forced to learn when I went to college. And it's a, it's pretty long form, but it's a gorgeous tune. Everyone who's a serious you know, mus- jazz musician who plans on going out and playing in jam sessions and in you know, restaurants and in clubs and things like that, you need to learn this tune if you haven't because it is... It gets called, and it's it's just beautiful. And his solo on it is just so lyrical. It's it's beyond words, you know. Or as Duke Ellington would say, it's beyond category. <laughs> uh, but that beautiful tune comes from his um, nineteen sixty five album for Blue Note Records, Cornbread. And it features, again, a a killer sextet. Lee Morgan on trumpet, Jackie McLean on alto sax, the great Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock again in the piano seat, Larry Ridley on bass. Uh, That's a name that you don't see very often because he was mainly performing with the great Thelonious Monk and the Thelonious Monk Quartet with uh, Charlie Rouse. But Larry Ridley was on this session for Lee Morgan and laid it down. And so, you know what? We we need to talk more about about Larry Ridley at some point. Maybe we'll do a spotlight on Larry Ridley, you know. Um, but that dude's bad. He's bad. Um, so, yeah, probably contributed to one of the best Thelonious Monk Quartets you know, configurations that was out there. So, yeah. And then, of course, as I said before, Billy Higgins on the drums for all three of these tunes that we just heard in the set. So we heard Lee with a ballad that he wrote, and it was gorgeous. We heard Lee with a bossa, a bossa nova tune that he wrote. Now, for the last set, or for the last song of the set, he didn't write that one. Uh, that was the rump roller. So, uh, I mean, it's in the name. I ain't got to explain it to you, you know. Uh, But the rump roller came from the album The Rump Roller. And it was recorded April 21st, 1965. So, yeah, both of those last tunes, Ciora and The Rump Roller, were recorded in 1965. No doubt a part of the popularity 
trickling down from that Sidewinder commercial from Chrysler at the World Series. Because that happened in, let's see if it's the World Series, it's probably October 64. So there you go. 65 started to look real up for Lee Morgan. Know what I mean? But now, on this session, Lee Morgan's on trumpet. The great Joe Henderson is on tennis saxophone. Ronnie Matthews on the piano. Victor Sproles on the bass. And Billy Higgins on the drums. Now, here's the crazy part. As I told you before, Lee Morgan did not write the rump roller. Now, he wrote the Sidewinder, but he did not write the rump roller. Strangely enough, the composer of the rump roller is the one and only Andrew Hill. Another great blue note artist uh, who is a pianist and composer. But he's mainly known for writing some quasi-avant-garde kind of material for Blue Note. It really pressed the, the boundaries. And Andrew Hill is an institution for Blue Note in a different way. Um, he had many, 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 many great albums for Blue Note, including Point of Departure. Uh, he also had Judgment. He also had Black Fire. He also had Passing Ships. Um... There was lots of great albums by Andrew Hill. Compulsion. And in fact, if you're more interested in Andrew Hill, uh, I would gladly direct you to check out the uh, tweets of Michael J. West, who is now the uh, currently the interim editor-in-chief for Jazz Times magazine. And he is a wondrous mind, and he breaks down every track by like seconds and you know and and each solo for each song for each album by Andrew Hill. So if Andrew Hill if you're looking for something a little bit more out there just look up Andrew Hill albums comma Michael J West and have a ball because that guy knows his Andrew Hill. No doubt about it. So shout out to Michael J. West and congrats on the Jazz Times gig. But yeah, the rump roller was definitely a copy-paste boogaloo groove in the style of the Sidewinder for Lee Morgan getting back to our spotlight here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. And it's interesting because on the Sidewinder, it the front horn line was a tenor trumpet duo of Lee Morgan and, you guessed it, Joe Henderson. And Lee Morgan had the sensibility to bring Joe back for that. So there's something to be said for that. And not only did he bring Joe back, but the drummer for the Sidewinder session was, you guessed it, Billy Higgins. Lee Morgan loved the grooves and the versatility that Billy Higgins could bring to a session because we just heard three completely different rhythmic styles go on in just this set alone. So kudos to Billy Higgins. He could play a beautiful ballad tenderly and supportively. He could also play a nice bossa, and he could play that boogaloo groove on the drums like he did in For the Sidewinder. So, essentially, 
you could say that for the rump roller, Lee Morgan brought out his A-team for that kind of style. And he did very well. And it's another one of his more popular tunes um, in the style of the Sidewinder, the rump roller. So, there you have it. Yeah, all right. So, we've got one, two, we got two more sets coming at you. Uh, lots of great, great music. Remember, this is part one of a two-part spotlight on trumpet great Lee Morgan. This is part one, which is the encompasses uh, 12 tracks of 12 sessions of him as in a leader role. And part two, which will be a different episode of the podcast, will focus on Lee Morgan as the consummate sideman for some of the greatest names in jazz and some of the most well-known songs in the whole idiom itself. So, be sure to check that episode out as well. Enough talking from me. Let us get back to some more music here on the Dutch Jazz Podcast.
Burning, baby. Burning. Damn. All right. Three fantastic tracks in that set. All right. So let's break them down in order here. So the first one that we heard um, came from Lee Morgan's album from 1965, another great year. Three albums as a leader in 1965. You can't tell me that that World Series commercial with a Sidewinder did not have a trickle-down effect. And they're all killer. So, here's the third and the last one. It's his album called The Gigolo. And it features an original composition from Lee Morgan and a sense of the blues called Speedball. And it features Wayne Shorter on the tenor saxophone, Harold Mayburn Jr. on the piano, Bob Cranshaw on the bass and on drums. Drum roll, please. All puns intended. Yes, Billy Higgins on top of our leader and trumpet player, Lee Morgan. Speedball, just a killer song with some great uh, rhythmic difficulty in the melody there. I mean... I mean, uh, tunes like that were not being written with rhythms like that kind of at the time. Lee Morgan was on the 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 cutting edge with that, along with like Cedar Walton, cats like that. You know, it, it's it's very very cool. Okay, after that, we heard a tune called Caliso. Yeah, so uh, a lot of things kind of going on here uh one so it's meant to be like saying calypso within the dialect you know uh of you know the whole calypso kind of sound so calypso you know but it's also because it's spelled c-a hyphen l-e-e hyphen s-o the lee is for Lee Morgan. So, yeah. There's a lot to unpack with that. But, um, for whatever it is, 
it's still a great tune. You know, music above all else, right? And it was written by Lee Morgan as well. And it comes from his album, his 1966 album for Blue Note Records, Delightfully. Now, I should emphasize Lee at the end of Delightfully, because it's L-E-E at the end of Delightfully. Uh, That reminds me of something that the great Lee Konitz once said. He goes, you know, I would have never tried to make it so hard if I knew that I was going to turn into, my name was going to turn into a living adverb. So... (laughs) So there you go. Uh, And Blue Note certainly went down that rabbit hole. Um, So on this Calypso kind of track that Lee Morgan wrote, we have Lee Morgan on the trumpet. Again, Joe Henderson on the tenor sax. This time we have McCoy Tyner on the piano, Bob Cranshaw on the bass, and the drums. Ready for it? Yep, Billy Higgins. Are you sensing a theme? I'm sensing a theme. Yeah. Billy Higgins again on the drums. So we heard Billy Higgins on this great kind of bluesy tune with Speedball. We heard Billy Higgins on this Calypso tune. Uh, so we're just kind of adding up the Billy Higgins tunes, you know, which is kind of cool. But what's really neat about this album is <clears throat> that other tracks have like big band arrangements by the great Oliver Nelson on it. So it's kind of like a two-for-one album, even though it's on one CD here, Delightfully by Lee Morgan. Then we ended that set with a tune called Sneaky Pete. (laughs) Yeah, Sneaky Pete. And uh, that was written by Lee Morgan as well. It's kind of like a hard bop tune there. And it comes from his 1967 album, Sonic Boom. Now, <clears throat> let me say this about Sonic Boom. I finally <clears throat> got a chance to snag this album after over a decade of looking for it. So... I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's an easy one to acquire because it's not. But am I am I saying that it's worth it to hunt for this album? You bet. Because it's so, so good. And listen to this lineup. Lee Morgan on the trumpet. David Fathead Newman is on the tenor saxophone. We hadn't heard that name yet. So that's a rarity. On the piano... Cedar Walton, who I just mentioned a second ago. Um, On the bass, Planet Elegance, hashtag Planet Elegance, Mr. Bass himself, Ron Carter, living legend. And on the drums, you guessed it, again, Billy Higgins. So if you're keeping score out of the nine tunes that we have heard so far. Billy Higgins is on The Sidewinder, Melancholy, Siora, The Rump Roller, Speedball, Caliso, and Sneaky Pete. 
and we're not done. So <laughs> we still got one more set of music to go. Um, but let me say this, <clears throat> uh, kind of lumping and coalescing and galvanizing all these tunes that we've heard so far. Um, after the commercial success of the Sidewinder, Lee Morgan continued to record prolifically producing such works as Search for the New Land, which we heard Melancholy from in 1964, which actually, that album reached the top 20 of the R&B charts in 1964. Now, what else was going on in 1964 that Lee Morgan was competing in the R&B charts for? Motown. That's right. So, he was trying to write music in an instrumental sense with no vocals that would have to compete with things like the Supremes, you know, the Temptations, Four Tops, the Beatles, um, yeah, on top of other great jazz artists making great songs like Herbie Hancock, like Cora Silver, like Art Blakey, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, all those cats. So that's something to be you have to kind of take into the chronology of things, you know, especially when you read something like Search for the New Land. That album in 1964 reached the top 20 of the R&B charts. So keep that in mind. Uh, he, As we said before, he rejoined Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers after Freddie Hubbard, who came into the trumpet chair after Lee Morgan left the first time in 1961, after Freddie Hubbard joined another group, Lee Morgan came back into the fold of the Jazz Messengers, and you can actually see this lineup of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers on an episode of Jazz 625 for the BBC, in which they invited jazz musicians to come and tape live performances in England. And that group actually was... a an odd mixture of the Jazz Messengers. It included Art Blakey on drums, Victor Sproles on bass, John Hicks on the piano, John Gilmore, who you may know from some Sun Ra recordings on tenor sax, and Lee Morgan on trumpet. Now, as the 1960s progressed, it is important to note that Lee Morgan recorded some 20 additional albums as a leader besides the Sidewinder and continued to record as a sideman on the albums of other artists. So we're talking easily 25, 30 plus albums. And that's just incredible for one decade of music. So, yeah. Go figure. <laughs> All right. So, as we have been talking about, we are spotlighting in a two-part spotlight. This is part one. The albums of the great trumpet player Lee Morgan as a leader um, on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Our subsequent following episode uh, will be a spotlight on Lee Morgan as the consummate sideman to some of the biggest names and some of the biggest songs in jazz history um, on this next 
episode that is kind of like a pairing. Uh, yeah. And don't miss out on that. That's going to be a killer, killer episode as well. Um, this is like a two-part thing. They're going to be released at the same time. Doesn't matter which one you listen to first. It's going to be just all chock full of great music. Now, PSA time. Remember, you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Podcast. We are there. So if you know somebody who would love to be a part of this kind of podcast and, and listen to this kind of stuff, please send the info their way. We would greatly appreciate it. We welcome all new listeners. Remember, we're not making a dime on any of this. We are actually having to pay ourselves to upload these episodes of the podcast to platforms so that you can enjoy them. Um, we're not in it for money. We're actually in it just to spread the good vibes of jazz music, you know, and try to let everybody find a, a good way to, and a good outlet to forget about all the problems and the worries of today. You know what I mean? Just kind of go into another world for a second, a musical world with some really great tunes. So, and speaking of tunes, if you want to know what the names are exactly of these tunes, don't worry about jotting them down or making a little note page on your phone or whatever. We got you covered. Just go to our website and all that information is there. Artist names, the track titles in the order in which they're played, plus the album artwork so you know exactly what to look for and go crate digging when you look for music by Lee Morgan. And that website is... Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast dot WordPress dot com. And also, if you'd like to reach out to us at the top of that page, you can click contact and just fill out your email from that box and it will come straight to us. And we guarantee that we will reach back out to you as long as you're not soliciting something. So please don't try to sell us stuff. You know, that's not the type of podcast we are. We're not here to, you know, say, hey, you need to check out these 15 books that somebody told us to check out that we haven't even read. Or, you know, these 25, you know, movies that, you know, we haven't even viewed. Or these 50 albums that have nothing to do with the, the subject of what we're presenting. So as long as it's not a solicitation email, we will write you back. Okay. Um, that being said, uh, we always do love to hear from our listeners and, um, we always write our listeners back. So we appreciate you. We love you. You know, we think you're wonderful. Um, yeah. And let's get some more listeners folks. And on top of that, if you have the time, please take a quick sec. And write a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We are inching so close to that 5.0 perfect score. And we would just love to keep um, climbing up to what we feel is an important podcast that just spreads good vibes, good music, and good joy to everyone. So, that being said, I'm going to be quiet now. And let's get to our last set of music featuring our spotlight artist, Lee Morgan in his role as a leader on Blue Note Records here on the Dutch Jazz Podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Alright. So, we started off that set with a beautiful little um, Latin tune by Wayne Shorter called Rio off of Lee Morgan's album The Procrastinator from 1967. Lee Morgan on trumpet, Wayne on tenor sax, Bobby Hutchison on vibes, Herbie Hancock on piano, Ron Carter on bass, and you guessed it, Billy Higgins again on the drums. Then after that, we heard one of my favorite waltzes written by Lee Morgan called Haitian. And uh, H-A-E-S-C-H-E-N. Lee Morgan on the trumpet, Benny Maupin on the tenor saxophone, George Benson on guitar, John Hicks on piano, Reggie Workman on the bass, and yes, Billy Higgins again on the drums from the 1968 album for Blue Note Records, Teru. Love this album. This album is so, 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 so good. And then we ended with a tune called Peyote. Uh... Written by Lee Morgan, I believe, yes. And um, it comes from disc one of the Lee Morgan Live at the Lighthouse, Hermosa Beach, California. And Lee Morgan's on trumpet and flugelhorn. Benny Maupin's on flute, bass, clarinet, and tenor sax. Harold Mayburn is on the piano. Jimmy Merritt is on the bass. And Mickey Roker is on the drums. And the reason I ended with that is not only because chronologically, but also because they have just unearthed all of the tapes from the Live at the Lighthouse set, and you should know about that. So there you go. Um, also, it's worth noting that you we should talk about Lee Morgan and his tragic ending to his career and his life. Uh, he was killed in the early hours of February 19, 1972 at Slug Saloon, a jazz club in New York City's East Village, where he was performing. Uh, between sets, his common-law wife, Helen Moore, Helen Morgan, she shot him on the bandstand. The injuries were not immediately fatal, but the city, New York City had experienced a heavy snowfall that resulted in bad driving and difficult driving conditions. So it was so slow to get to the scene that he bled to death, and he was only 33 years old. Helen Morgan was arrested and she spent a short time in prison before being released on parole but she died in 1996 from a heart condition. This and other things are part of the subject matter of Casper Collins film uh, the, the 2016 documentary on Lee Morgan called I Called Him Morgan. Um it was released in 2017 on DVD and Blu-ray, and I, I own it. I highly, highly suggest it. It's a fantastic watch. Um, yeah, and if you want to find out some more info about Lee Morgan, I also will recommend a book that I have read by Jeff McMillan called Delightfully, L-E-E again, The Life and Music of Lee Morgan. It's part of the Jazz Perspective series, and it is a fantastic read. So... Hopefully you have dug the great scintillating sounds of trumpet great Lee Morgan and his role as a leader for Blue Note Records through these 12 tracks. They are all special to me, and hopefully they will become some of your favorites as well. Again, thank you so much for listening and taking time to let the Dr. Jazz Podcast be a part of your day. 
uh, and the famous words of Duke Ellington, you are generous, you are wonderful, you are gracious, and we do love you madly. Remember, you can find the Dodge Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Feel free to check out our website, Dodge Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. Write to us if you've got a quick minute. Submit a, a review on Apple Podcasts if you've got that same quick minute. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your life and your ears. So until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust. <laughs>